So anyway, thanks for being here. Really proud of you for just making the effort. I, I enjoyed the drive. I actually uh, took a drive up here yesterday to see if I could make it today. And uh, what was so exciting is I have a new vehicle. I haven't driven in the snow with this vehicle. I've, I mean, I had it for two years, but I, I've never driven in the snow with it. And my last one was a rear-wheel drive, and it was just a, it was just terrible. So it was really scary. So now I have front-wheel drive where you can push a button, and it goes into all-wheel drive if needed. And so I made it here like no sweat. And I'm going, no wonder people buy these cars. They're just awesome. And like they can do everything. I feel no scary stuff, no danger or anything else. So I got up here, and it's just like a winter wonderland. I mean, it was just gorgeous. And as I was coming up the hill at 140th, I was asking the question, what is whiter than snow? Because for some reason, that thought just kept coming to me. What's whiter than snow? How could anything be whiter than this? The thing about snow is even salt water, when it evaporates, leaves the salts and all of the other nutrients behind. The only thing that evaporates into the clouds is pure water. That's why when snow falls, it falls with nothing else in it except pure water. I mean, sure, it can collect smog particles on the way down. We know that. But in its original state, snow is absolutely pure. And I was kept thinking this, this phrase in my mind, what's whiter than snow? And then I realized that's, that's what Jesus has done for us. So I started doing a little research, like, where did that phrase come from? Where was it first said? And, and what is this all about? And I, I mean, we all know, yeah, it's about forgiveness and, you know. But, but I began doing a little research and going, this is absolutely stunning. The way God describes what he has done for us through Christ. I actually have a third part of my discipling series that um, I had prepared for today, but I knew it'd be a light crowd, and, and I'm just so passionate about what I want to share with that, I decided to wait on that one. So I've just got a little devotional this morning. So I'm thinking about this, this idea, this concept of something being whiter than snow, and um, the cool thing I noticed while I was driving up the road and looking at all the trees, especially here on the hill, I mean, I live down kind of in the valley, so it's not as much snow, is everything that's green just about is now white. Everything that's brown and dead is now white. And every ugly pothole and every piece of gravel and dirt on the ground is now white. It's just a blanket that covers everything. And it's indiscriminate. Snow doesn't choose where to fall. It just covers everything. So I'm thinking about this going, that's, that's really a, a pretty phenomenal concept that when God looks at us after we're forgiven, he calls us whiter than snow. So let's take a look at some verses. There's a, the first one I want to look at is in Daniel, chapter 7, verse 9. And this is where we get one of the images of God. And his image is, there's a whole lot of white in him. And I'm not talking about skin color, by the way. I don't think God is a race. He is, if anything, he is all races boiled into one. And from him, all races came. So I'm not talking about skin color. He's talking about something about his nature and his character. Daniel says, As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days, who is God, took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool, and his throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. So we've got three pictures of the nature of God himself being really white. And so you look at the first one, and it's not whiter than snow. He's just white 
as snow. So he's like equal to the whiteness or maybe the purity of snow. So before we ever talk about what Jesus did for us and how it affects our lives, we need to look at the nature of God. We need to say whatever he is has happened to us through the blood of Christ, through believing in Jesus. And so if we think about the first one, his clothing is white as snow. Now you have to know that when humans are receiving visions of heaven and the nature and presence of God, they can only choose from the vocabulary that they already possess. They can't invent new words that nobody understands. So they're just picking things that, you know, this is an earthly example, a metaphor that somebody will, will understand. So first of all, his clothing is white as snow. Okay, so you're thinking perfect, pure, without wrinkle, without blemish, without stain, without spot. But the second part is interesting. The hair of his head was white like wool. And I thought about that, and I'm going, you know, wool in its natural state is not very white. Have you ever just seen sheared, shorn lambs when it first falls off onto the ground? It's pretty grungy. I mean, it's, it's kind of beigey with bugs in it, and it's kind of bristles, and it's, it's not really that clean. But back in the day, they would bleach, literally with a fuller's cleanser. They would bleach the wool, so it would be, Brandon, show us your shoes. Those are white shoes, man. That's how white the wool would come out. Those are beautiful shoes. I love them. I just saw that. that. You should be in there. You should be in that Bible verse. At any rate, so there's a second thing. It's not only God's nature that he is pure and perfect, but there's also a process that has to take place for natural wool in its natural state, which is not very white, to become white. So there's a cleansing, sort of a churning that they begin to process the wool before they begin to spin it. But the final one is, I, I think, the most powerful. His throne was flaming with fire. How many of you know that the hottest part of the flame is the white tip? If you can get it to become white. The yellow is the coolest. The blue is hotter than that. But very rarely, unless you've got a super hot fire, do you have a white tip? The very hottest part of the fire. We're talking about the nature of God. He is absolutely pure and clean, unlike anything we can conceive of. I mean, Brandon's shoes, probably when you get to heaven, they'll look kind of tan. You know, they're just not nearly as bright as the purity and the holiness of God. So if that's kind of the starting point, if God is going to do something in and for and through us in, in terms of being forgiven, being cleansed, putting our past behind us, giving us a bright future, that's the starting point. We will become more pure, more white, more cleansed than anything we've ever imagined on earth. So what's the point? The point is we have an adversary. His name is the devil. His name is Satan. And he is an expert at reminding us of our shortcomings and our failures, our past, present, and even future potential failures. And so we often come to worship, we often come to God, we often come to prayer or come hang around with other Christians and we begin to feel kind of like, I'm sort of less than. But the fact is, in Christ, we are brighter than bright, whiter than white because of his forgiveness. It's absolutely complete. So what we have to do then is begin starting to employ faith, which to me, I call it a mental gymnastics. I've got to, I've got to take what my senses are telling me and believe what God has told me. I don't really care how I feel. God says, pure, perfect, without blemish, whiter than snow. Why is this important? Well, Kevin mentioned earlier that um, when we look at one another, we need to not be judgmental. 
We need not compare. We shouldn't be avoiding people because we think they're less than. We need to see with those eyes as well that they are pure, perfect, completely cleansed. And sure, they've got some shortcomings in terms of, you know, my personality is not perfect. Yours isn't either. We've got some idiosyncrasies that are not helpful, and we kept falling into stuff that's not fun, not good, not very friendly or kind. We all have some things, some wrinkles about us, but in Christ, we are perfect, whiter than snow, flaming pure white and cleansed. We were on the hill in my backyard uh, Monday, and uh, we live on a hill, and our backyard has an upper, we call it the upper, upper 40 and the lower 40. It's only, it's only a quarter of an acre, so there's no 40 acres. But and we've got this flat part on top, and there's a big grass slope down to the bottom. And uh, then there's a, a hedge at the base of that, and then there's a wall that holds the hedge up, and then it's about an eight-foot drop to the street. So um, Marcelo and Claire brought their kids over, because that's historically been our sledding hill. I mean, I used to make ramps, jumps, and bank turns and everything. And I mean, when there was enough snow, I used to have a blast with our kids. So now it's their turn. So they brought the kids over, and um, I didn't realize, but Marcelo had never been on a sled before. He's from a non-snow country, Peru. And so, uh, yeah, well, they have snow in the mountains, of course, but not where he lived. So anyway, that was pretty thrilling all by itself. So he got on the sled that we had, and uh, he just went flying down. And of course, the thing is, you have to stop before you hit the bushes. So he kept going... <laughs> into the hedge. But then it was Lucas' turn, and before we found the sled, I found, actually found a kneeboard in my garage. We don't own a sled, so the kneeboard worked great. But before we found that, um, Claire and Marcella said, let's, let's use our laundry basket. That's like smooth plastic, kind of roundy, you know? And so they'd run this before. Last time it snowed, they, they put a rope around it, and they dragged Luca across the street over to our house, and Luca's just having a blast on flat ground. So now it's Luca's turn. He's at the top of the hill, and Marcella goes, Okay, buddy, <laughs> puts him in the basket and slides him down the hill. And there's a pretty steep spot, and he just rolled head over heels like this and came up with a face full of snow. I mean, literally, they could not have seen his face, just crunched on there. There was no kid. There was just a white ball of snow. Now, before that, his cheeks were like red as beets because of the cold. And so now he went from like red to white like in a second. Boom. The best part was he didn't cry. He thought that was pretty darn fun. He was, he was just a real trooper. But then we put, you know, brushed the snow off, finding out his cheeks are super red because he really was freezing. And I'm thinking that's, that's kind of what Jesus does when he talks about our sin being scarlet, but I'm going to make you white as snow. I thought, what a visual aid, Lord. That's so cute. Just instantly, smack, boom, instant cleansing. And that's exactly what the next verse says. This one from Isaiah. Verse 1, chapter 1, verse 18b, says, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And there's the wool reference again. The thing I love about this is that our awareness, our self-awareness of our weaknesses and, our, again, our history and our past, we're so conscious of the scarlet part. And uh, everybody in the family looked at Luca, and man, we are all conscious of his red cheeks. And sometimes that's what the enemy wants to do, is keep reminding us of, you still got red cheeks, man. You still got some scarlet issues. And we have to literally do the work of faith and say, no, 
That may be true in the here and now, but in the eyes of Almighty God, I'm white as snow. I'm white as snow. We need to kind of put that patch right on our face and just wear it sometimes. There's a third verse that I, that I love. It's um, the one that we're very familiar with in Psalm 51, where David is confessing his sin. He had, um, in a weak moment, saw a young lady from his balcony as the king from his palace somewhere, and some young lady on a roof somewhere was bathing, and uh, he was tempted to go have some time with her, and uh, they conceived a child. Once they conceived, David realized she was married. David then decided, rather than letting her husband come and kill him, David would have to have him killed while he was on the battlefield. And so if you know the story, he had this really kind of um, manipulative, sort of intricate plan to make sure that her husband got killed, but it didn't look like murder. And so now David's guilty of two things, adultery and murder. And number three, now he's trying to hide it from everybody. And Samuel comes along. Interesting, it was Samuel. Comes along and says, Nathan. I'm sorry. Nathan. It was Nathan. Oh my gosh, thank you. I really need you here. <laughs> Appreciate it. It was Nathan. Nathan comes along and exposes him and says, David, you're guilty of three things adultery, murder, and lying. And so David, as we know, is a man that God calls, a man after my own heart, somehow this man of really shallow character at some points of his life is now being declared a man after God's own heart. And so because of his willingness to admit to Nathan, I am the man, this is what I've done. Because of that, and then because he begs for mercy from God, here's what David knows to be true about him now. He says, surely you desire truth in the innermost parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be what? Whiter than snow. So this is what blows my mind. Like This is one of those extreme examples of going off the rails against the ways of God. And yet he gets the most extreme description of forgiveness. That, that's just so cool. Now, by the way, this um, cleansed me with hyssop. Hyssop is kind of the little herb plant that was used oftentimes to sprinkle blood on the bulls. It was the, the herb that Moses commanded the Israelites to sprinkle the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. So hyssop was kind of a vehicle for transferring the blood of the sacrificed animal into a particular location. Sometimes it was onto the shoulders of the priest to kind of declare them holy and belonging to the Lord. So hyssop was kind of a tool used in this forgiveness process. And David says, I, I get that. Just the way the sacrifice cleanses all of the Israelites and protects the homes from the angel of death. So also I'm counting on God with whatever tool he wants to use, whatever implement he wants to use to transfer me from this place of darkness and condemnation to absolute forgiveness whiter than snow. And I'm thinking, well, what does that symbolize? What kind of tools does God use for us? And God is so good. I was um, home with my wife yesterday, Saturday, yeah. And I was really trying to be a good husband. I generally try to be a good husband. I thought, you know what's going to bless her is if I fold the laundry, 
If I fold the laundry, she asked me every now and then to help her out, but most of the time she goes, I'll take care of it. <laughs> you just make a mess of everything. I'll take care of it. But this time I decided I'm not going to wait for her to ask. I'm folding laundry this morning. So I folded up everything in the dryer, you know, shook it out, straightened it out, did my best job, put it all back in the basket. And then I realized, oh, the washer's still full. We got wet clothes. They need to go into the dryer. So I'm going, I'm going to do that too. Like I'm such, such a hero. Holy moly. Valentine's Day's coming up. It's going to pay off. So I take everything out of the washer, throw it in the dryer, and I even shook out things, you know, get all the twists and knots out and everything else. Threw it in there, put it on high. Those babies are going to dry in a minute, man. It's going to be great. And then I went out, I did a couple of errands and came back, and I came in, she was in the laundry room, which is the way I come through the garage into the laundry room, and she's looking at me like, I go, what? What? You are not helpful. You are not helping me. Some things need to be hung up. Other things need to have a little spray and wash on them. And then a few things need to go in the dryer, but not on high. And it suddenly occurred to me, oh, the way things get clean and dry is not always the same. Different tools, different methods, different ways for hanging, spraying, or throwing them in the dryer, some on high and some on medium. And the Lord said, that's exactly what I do with you. You're cleansing, sure. It comes through the blood of Christ. It happened once. It happened when he hung on the cross. It happened when you came to him. But there's a lot of detail in terms of making it a reality. Just the way clothes all don't dry the same way. You and I don't experience cleansing all the same way. For some, it's like a bolt from heaven. We get it, we're convicted, we confess, and we're free. For others, it's a long, arduous battle. And we just go in and out and up and down. And the cleansing in reality doesn't happen overnight. For others, it needs outside input. I need counsel. I need accountability. I need someone to help me. I need someone to carry me. Or for others, it's, I'm so broken, I can't even tell which way is up or what clean looks like because of my past. And so I love that David, who's really one of the most extreme examples of someone who's gone off the rails in sin, gives us the most beautiful description, whiter than snow, of what it's like to be forgiven. So this morning I want to really just wrap it up by, by saying again for this new year and in this snowy season, every time you see the snow fall, we just say, thank you, Lord, you've made me cleaner than that, whiter than that. I am forgiven. I am not condemned. There is no condemnation. I am not going down. I'm going up. And Lord, whatever method is best for this piece of clothing, <laughs> this garment called me, so that cleansing becomes reality, not just a theological idea, I'm in. Because all fabrics are different. All humans are different. Our needs are different. But every time you see the snow fall, and it's going to snow again tonight, I hear, right? Like an inch or two. And then Dana said like five to ten inches on Tuesday. Woohoo! I love it. There's going to be a lot of whiter than snow out there. But just imagine this, what God has done through his son in you. If you accept it, if you say, Lord, I, I need this, it's important for us to embrace the identity that he has given us in his son Jesus. So what's, what's the next step? A good step is um, courage to confess our sins to God, I believe really is not born out of shame. It's not born out of condemnation or feeling horrible. It's not born out of someone pointing their long bony finger at us. 
The courage to confess our sin is born out of safety. When we know that ahead of time, Jesus has already declared us righteous, clean, whiter than snow. Because we're already accepted and safe, that's why we can come to him and say, I know you won't kill me. But the truth is, here's what I did. Or here's what I've been, where I've been, what I've thought. Thank you for paying the price for me. I receive it now. It's really a very simple thing. Confession and forgiveness don't have to be a heavy, difficult, painful, shameful, humiliating experience. If we really understand what Jesus has done when he came to die in our place. Does that sound like good news? Yeah. Amen. It's just a simple reminder that we're going to need until the day we die. I find it interesting that John the Apostle in his first letter, he wrote this. He said, my children, do not sin. And kind of you go, okay. But if you do sin, we have an advocate. He sort of expects normal humans to struggle. And that will happen and occur for the rest of our lives. So we never want to get beyond the point of confession, repentance, and forgiveness. That's got to be a lifestyle. A lifestyle. Not to take God's grace for granted, but just to not ever get to the point where we're now scared of God, scared of being open and honest with him. He's made us whiter than snow. Can we stand together? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we just want to thank you for what you've already done for us. Already. It's past. It's history. Jesus hung on the cross. We don't have to. He rose from the dead, and we shall as well. So, Father, help us to embrace what you've already done for us and help us to even, to another degree, Lord, become more open and honest with you, more open, open and honest with a couple of people that we trust so that the tools of our cleansing can rapidly make us more like you. As rapidly as possible, Father. Help us to be in agreement with you and what you're up to and what you're doing in our lives. Not hiding, not running, not pretending. Because, Lord, we want to be whole people. We want to be happy people. We want to be fruitful and productive people, people that honor and glorify you and help advance the cause of your son. Thank you, Lord, for making us whiter than snow. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, may God bless you. Drive safely. you got a couple hours before the next onslaught. And, uh, <laughs> Give somebody a hug before you go, okay? <laughs>